Hey everybody, this is Danny. Just wanted to tell you about this episode a little bit before we play our usual introduction music from the band Jungle Fiction. Uh, usually in our episodes, it'll be me and Speedy, and we'll do our usual staples like the old phrase of the day and common misheard lyrics that our, our listeners write in and what happened previously on this week. But we're not going to do any of that. This is a special episode. We are talking about the 20th anniversary of the attacks on September 11th, a day that I remember, but for about two seconds. I just remember the moment that I found out about it. Um, And just like with a lot of things on this podcast, since a lot of things are before I was born in the first place that we talk about, it's something that I can only now truly understand through the art that people feel has captured it since. And we're going to be talking about an album that, for a lot of people, A, captures how they were feeling during the following months of those attacks, and B, has one of the most wild, coincidental correlations to that day where even though it was scheduled to come out on September 11, 2001, it sounds like it was written about 9-11. And we'll get into why it didn't come out on that day. It ended up streaming the following week. But when you hear about what went behind it, it just blows my mind how similar they were, and a lot of people feel that way too. So we're going to talk about that. My guest is going to be an old friend of mine named Scott Nover, who's written for The Atlantic and now writes for Quartz, which is a business publication online. And we're going to talk about this album called Yankee Hotel Foxtrot by the band Wilco and how for many people in the 20 years since the attacks on September 11th has represented the feelings that they had about our country and that day. And now, here's Jungle Fiction. Hey, welcome to If You're an Old Soul. Everybody, as I just mentioned before the intro music, this is kind of a special episode we are remembering the attacks on September 11th in a way that is congruent with our show's platform, which is a piece of art that in a lot of ways captures the feeling that happened after 9-11 while actually having been recorded before it. It's one of the weirdest coincidences in music history that I've ever seen. And with something this weird, I needed to bring in a true friend to talk about it with me. And that is an old friend of mine, Scott Nover. Scott, how long have you liked Wilco for? Oh, that's a good question. I probably didn't. I probably like did not have much Wilco knowledge when uh, uh, in in our prime of like fifteen years ago. Um, but yeah, uh, I've probably been a fan of them for ten years or so. Yeah, this is one of those weird things where it's like, yes, we remember nine eleven, but we don't really remember it. We just remember finding out, and then we went back to that memory a bunch of times because people always ask us if we did remember it because they just assume that we didn't. Yeah, we are, um, we're 26. Um, you're 26. Yes, sir. As yep. well. Uh, and we are kind of like the last year of people. I feel like that, like actually remember or have some semblance of, of memory of nine 11, unless you were like super close to the action, but we were both in first grade. When, when you found out, did you also say, what are the Twin Towers? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I feel like I mean, that's universal with kids. 
And, and like I grew up in, and we both grew up in New Jersey as well. And, and uh, I'm sure you probably grew up going into New York, mm-hmm. into the city a lot um, as well. And so I feel like even, you know, I knew what the Empire State Building was. I knew what, you know, Broadway was. I knew like a lot of landmarks, but I didn't have any connection to the financial sector or the Twin Towers. And I don't think I knew what they were other than kind of being able to recognize the New York skyline. You weren't trading on the New York Stock Exchange yet? No, I, I should have been. Yeah, it could have been a mogul. Could You could have invented crypto. I, I really could have. Uh, I may have gotten burned in the dot-com bubble, yeah. but <laughs> True, you just missed uh, I would have been the only six-year-old to do so. Yeah, you would have gotten into it, but you knew the dot-com bubble was going to burst because you were so clairvoyant. I was so prescient. Yeah, yeah, you, you knew. Um, so for us... We are we acknowledge the fact, just like most of the things that we talk about in this podcast that happened before we were we were born. This is another thing that's kind of before we were adults, but we can learn about it through the things that people feel captured what nine eleven was like. And for a lot of people, and we'll read some of the responses, including from Jeff Tweedy, the lead singer of Wilco, this album called Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, which is their masterpiece. When you we'll talk about it, it sounds like they knew about it. Obviously, they didn't, but it was supposed to come out on September 11, 2001. Scott, like, when did you first hear that this had a correlation and did it blow your mind immediately? I think I just, from I mean, I, I uh, being younger, you know, I, I visited the album for the first time, you know, in my teens, or um, which is probably not, you know. 2006 2007 or sometime out after that um and i knew it came out around 9 11 but i didn't realize the full story behind it and i didn't realize that um i used the word prescient before but i think like that is a really good word to use here like a lot of the things that they are talking about in the album and a lot of the lyrics um just sound like post 9 11 rhetoric you know, these kind of ideas of, you know, um, anti-war sentiment and, um, you know, patriotism or uh, surveillance and things like that. Um, it's hard to believe that they were written, you know, in the months leading up to that and not right after. Now, before we dive into specifically Wilco, I have a list, Scott, of other wild coincidences in music, because while this one is one of the more contemporary examples, there are some other ones that looking back we're like how is it possible that those two things both happened they seem so aligned uh, my first one i think i sent this to you is about how amy winehouse died of alcohol intoxication and has the song rehab which is her big hit is that a coincidence though what would you call it it's eerie is what it is but this the uh, it's the same thing with another one that I think is that one of the biggest examples is John Denver has a song leaving on a jet plane, which he wrote. Yeah. His biggest hit and then died in a plane crash. Okay. That one I think is, is right on. You're saying Amy um, Winehouse isn't a coincidence because it was all correlated it's, I think to it's, her. It's correlated. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, God, also, if you want to watch the saddest thing ever, the Amy Winehouse documentary mm. from a few years ago is, one of it's just not something you need to watch when you're you know you're not looking for a cheery flick but um wow yeah her entire life yeah i know so much talent you wish it could have gone differently 
I know. I feel like that might be a, a future uh, episode of the podcast on. Uh, oh yeah, Back to Black. Oh, that was one of my favorite albums in college. I was I don't know about you, Scott, but I was going through a breakup freshman year of college, like most freshmen in college are. <laughs> And she has a lot of breakup stuff on that album that kind of helped me feel better about myself. Yeah. She spoke to me. Um, yeah, there are. Yeah, well, that's a discussion for another day. <laughs> the turkey drop, as they call it, when you get dumped during Thanksgiving break during college. Okay. Uh, another. <laughs> See, I did the opposite. What's that? Broke up and then got back together over Thanksgiving break. Oh, really? You came and saw each other again? Yeah. And then you realized. And now we're engaged, so. It works. Oh, out. really? Oh, uh, I should have said congratulations. By the way, and getting engaged <laughs> the last month. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm glad. Why? So you you're engaged to your high school sweetheart? Yeah, that's beautiful. We needed a little little speck of optimism during well, this episode. In this cheery episode. Yeah, this very cheery episode. Anyway, other <laughs> uh, tragic coincidences. Okay, this one is actually the most. Well, there are two that are very related to this topic. The first one happened ten years earlier, but Notorious B.I.G. in his song Juicy. He says, blow up like the world trade. And since then, it's been censored. And some stations, when they play it, will remove that part, even though he's re- referring to... Referring to the 93 yes. bombings? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they they censor it because of they don't understand what it's a reference to? Either they don't understand it or they think it's triggering. But either way, they could just Google it. There was another terrorist attack on the World Trade Center in the 90s. And I'm glad you knew that, Scott. But yeah, I mean, also blow up. I mean, we don't have to activate the conspiracy theorists. True, but, and, and there know. are people who think notorious <laughs> the truth is, but, um, and Jeff Tweedy knew. <laughs> I meant some. All right, we're not going to go down the, the uh-uh. conspiracy route. No, we are not going into what. That's can another melt episode. That's in the back. That's in the back. To, that's in the back to black episode. <laughs> the back to black. <laughs> this theoretical episode where it's the saddest episode of this podcast. Um. <laughs> Of course, everything by Tupac, which may or may not be coincidence. I think like his like he has a song called "Death Around the Corner." Torius B.I.G. has his album uh, "Ready to Die." Like I think they just knew the way that they were living. It might not turn out in uh, longevity. More correlation. No correlation. Okay, let's move on to Wilco. So let's first off, and thankfully, Scott, I was not able to find the documentary I Am Trying to Break Your Heart, but Scott was able to find it online. I thought you had to pay for it, but apparently you found it, so we can... Take- Clearly, the budget for this podcast is not <laughs> not that high. Well, uh, it's, it's, in, it's, in, it's dubbed in Spanish subtitles on YouTube, and uh, the title is in Spanish, too, but if you search it on YouTube, it will come up. Why didn't you text it to me? I thought you, I figured you had seen it. <laughs> okay. In my defense, I spent our budget on seeing Wilco for the first time two weeks ago with Sleater Kinney. So I spent my budget. That's a really good excuse. No, I had seen it once before. Uh, I think also on the same um, Spanish subtitle uh, link on YouTube, but I, I rewatched it specifically for this podcast. And, um, but it's not hard to grasp. Happy to translate. Thank you. For you. So pretty much. Wilco, which obviously is one of the biggest indie rock bands ever. Kind of like Vampire Weekend. They've basically gone mainstream at this point. They're so popular because they play the big venues. Like Radiohead. They had three albums. They were basically like alt-country up to that point. 
And then they made this fourth one, and their record company at the time, Reprise, told them that it was, quote, a career ender. Yeah. Um, Reprise, which was part of um, Warner Records, which is important when we come back to that. Um, And for some reason, they didn't hear the record for a long time and I guess gave them a lot of creative freedom. And then there was a leadership change and that creative freedom was no more. And when they finally got their hands on the record, they kind of pulled the plug. Um, And I think they gave them their full advance on the record uh, and released them from a contract. And um, so that delayed the album's release for a while. Yeah. And they still wanted to get it out relatively around the same time. Cause like we mentioned before, Yankee hotel Foxtrot was supposed to come out on September 11th, 2001. And instead they released it a week later just for stream, which is way before Spotify and way before even like yeah. groove shark. It's like, yeah. Um, like LimeWire. Yeah. It was or, just on their website. Groove shark. Yeah. And it, they got like eight times more daily listeners than they usually did. And I had read that they had done that in part because it was starting to leak on like um, on uh, on free sites already, um, and they wanted to kind of control the release and you know uh, something like that. Um, but I was trying to I was wondering like do you do you know if that's like the first time that because I know like in recent years like Radiohead has done their like you know release it online, pay what you want or whatever you know uh, outside of any sort of like record disputes, and that has more to do with streaming, but like. Is that the first time someone's just like like a major band has just like released their album? That's online? a great question. Uh, everyone, if you're an old soul at gmail.com, if you think there's a band before Wilco in 2001 decided to drop their album on their own website before eventually releasing it in April after all the mythology had built up and everybody was so excited about it. Yeah. And so they release it online on September 18th. Right. They did it a week later. And it blew up and mm-hmm. it blows up. Um, and, um, and then eventually they, it, you know, people start listening to it and, and loving it and great reviews from critics um, and kind of universal acclaim without actually being, I mean, that's really true indie, <laughs> not even an indie label, just drop it on the website. Yeah. Uh, and then um, I guess a bunch of record labels come calling including none such records which shares a parent company with reprise the one that dropped it yeah i don't it's the only uh, thing i don't understand is how they ended up back with time water just within a different yeah. subsidiary i guess they operated or still operate like you know autonomously to some extent i, I have a great quote to read you i was i was like i'm a nerd and i was googling different chicago tribune articles from like 1999 <laughs> To see what people were saying. And there was one quote. um, From one of the higher ups in Time Warner. And they were saying how it's a sad day that Wilco had left. And they said. Well, first of all, they said Wilco is one of America's most beloved bands. One of our people said that Wilco is to America what Radiohead is to Europe. Because they make great adventurous records. But then this is my favorite part. This kind of tells you like where we were at in music and record sales at this point it says this band has a big audience and they could have had a bigger audience it's not like they weren't growing but in a world where in sync sells two million records in a week 
It creates a false expectation for other bands, and Wilco paid the price for breaking the mold instead of fitting into one. Fitting into what are they gonna do? Do be a boy uh, band? Like, yeah, like uh, do the puppet dance routine or something. <laughs> oh, are you doing no strings attached? Is that what you're saying? The bye 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 yeah. CD, which I had yeah. on Walkman or Discman. Yeah, of course you did. <laughs> I did. And Backstreet Boys Millennium. Oh, is that wait? Which is no strings attached? Backstreet Boys or NSYNC? That's no, that's that's NSYNC. Okay, so we'll have Scott back for the NSYNC episode because clearly he is an aficionado when it comes to boy bands. That's a much fun, much more fun episode than the Winehouse episode. That's true, and, and and this one, this one is also less cheerful. But I bring you in for the serious stuff, Scott, because you're a, for the you're a dark, stuff. brooding person, you know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so they were being compared to NSYNC, uh, but the album did come out in April, like we said, and to put a perspective, everyone at home. How beloved this album was and still is. Pitchfork, the Yelp of Hipster, gave it a 10, which does not happen. Now, on Rolling Stone's list of albums for the decade, it was number three. Uh, uh, can you guess the two albums that are ahead of it, Scott? Wait, what's the, which list is this? Rolling Stone's list of albums for the decade. It was number three. Uh, Kid A. Yep. Kid A is number one. And it's going to be Beyonce. That would be fun and totally reasonable because I feel like I Am Sasha Fierce would have come out in time. Um, But no, it's Is This It by The Strokes. Oh, The Strokes album. That's a great album. That's a good list. I like that. Nicky Otto Foxtrot's better than at least The Strokes album, but they're all great. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Oh, yeah, oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. All right, I'll help you out for that one. It's a really good album. I'm not like the biggest Strokes fan in the world, but that's a really good album. In the sun, sun, having fun, it's in my blood. <laughs> yeah, I could keep going. I'm sorry. We don't need to do that. Also, for, the, for what it's worth, they were on, I remember four on Pitchfork's best 200 of the 2000s so all around loved okay best 200 2000s which is also probably kid a yeah and i'm pretty sure in front of it yeah it is and maybe also is this it <laughs> um do you have that list in front of would me would you like me to, to google it i can you don't need okay to do that. I, we can leave the people hanging people can google things if you're an old soul at gmail.com if you figure out what it is uh scott exposing my lack of research even though i was reading You've done a lot of research. Thank you. Well, you you watched the documentary that you didn't tell me about, so. Yeah. Thanks for doing that. It's okay. So let's get to its wild correlation with 9-11. Uh, I do, before we get into this, Scott, want to read you Jeff Tweedy's quote when he was asked in, by Rolling Stone in 2011 what he thinks about this. He said... I'm sure it was very vivid. <laughs> he said, well, there were a lot of eerie echoes of 9-11 that I heard on Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Maybe because some of the focus on that record was being introspective about America. I understood how people could hear that in it. The thing that's much weirder for me is seeing it referred to as a record written about 9-11, which blows my mind. The album was ready to go by then. I don't know what else to say about it other than I'm obviously very, very honored if anybody found any kind of consolation in that record at that time or now. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's one thing that's like, you know, undeniable is that people found consolation in the record. It's so, you know, whether, you know, it's intentional or not, which it clearly is not, you know, the effects are the same. It's a very uh, prescient record about America, American culture, politics, war, um, patriotism, um, other things, loss, grief. So, you know, I think that's the sure thing. Yeah, just like, you know, with any classic novel, we'll take it and apply it to the present and it can still be applicable to multiple periods of time. This is a class of work, classic work of art. But what's weird about this is that it sounds specific. So let's get to the specifics. First off, Scott, I feel like we should start with the album cover itself. Have you ever thought with about this? With um, the towers. Yeah. Yes, the they're, towers they're in called Chicago. the Marina so City Buildings. It, it has two towers on the front of it. Yeah. Um, the first time I went to Chicago, that was the first thing I noticed. I had never, I didn't realize, like, I didn't know where those buildings were. I, I knew Wilco was a Chicago band. I didn't, like, make the connection, though. Um, and it's a, you know, there's, like, a, it's kind of a that, that part of the building, like, parking garages. And you can see cars that are, like, parked in the kind of ribs of of the, the building. And, and I just remember being like, oh, wow. Um, but yeah, there are two towers on the cover of this record in sepia. Um, and yeah, there's definitely, there's references to towers and, and, you know, Jesus, et cetera, one of the main songs, which we'll talk about, but like, it's definitely like a weird eerie parallel. Yep. hundred percent. Just to have two towers in the front, it's already setting the tone that, okay, this is going to be, um, something that runs a lot of parallels to, that day now i think we should next get to the track listing because the order of it in the beginning it goes after the first couple songs it goes war on war jesus etc which has the most which sounds like it's almost about that day and then the next song is called ashes of american flags like scott at what part are you just like how is this possible again yeah it's like very it just sounds like it was written in like 2002 or three or four even you know um i mean yeah um it's kind of crazy so let's go in order of those songs so the first one is war on war which was the single that charted the highest on the album and he says was it really? I believe so. I, I think it's that. their highest charting song ever because they don't really do charts. Well, it's kind of poppy, which is weird. Yeah, because like like we mentioned before, they were kind of like an alt country band. They were like covering uh, Woody Guthrie songs and stuff. And then all of a sudden this one's kind of like everything, but it's more poppy. It's less country. And in War on War, he says, moving forward through the flaming doors, you have to lose. You have to learn how to die if you want to be alive. Yeah. Which, like, is eerie for multiple reasons. Do you... Uh, you can say, Scott, like, I'm, I'm reading a lot of examples. A lot of these I found on the internet. Some are my own. If you think, like, oh, that's a stretch, you can tell me. But with that one, it's, like, No, I clear. don't. I don't. No, I think it's pretty clear. I mean, it's about, like, you know... Yeah, I mean... The, the positive version is like it's about sac you know it's like the ironies of like sacrifice and 
and something like that, but also like very eerie with like the f- fact that the nine eleven attacks were like suicide attacks too. I I think. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point, and also tragically, people had to jump from those buildings, which is one of the yeah. most harrowing images that we have when we think back on that day and that little couplet resembles that in many ways and that's it's just so powerful to hear it now and i read articles online from people who wrote in about 2005 who were saying like i listened to this album nonstop because it was like one of the only things that just captured exactly how i was feeling and the biggest example of that is jesus etc which is i would argue their biggest song for most of their fans um yeah i think so it certainly is for me what parts of that song stand out to you as having such a strong correlation uh i mean the chorus is tall building shake voices escape singing sad sad songs and like if that isn't written about 9-11 you know what is in my mind in it yeah there is always a dissonance between like the fact that i know it is not and like how clear those lyrics should be, you know, directed at, at this giant, you know, era defining event. Yeah. I mean, Jeff Tweedy had to like comment on it and be like, I swear this came out beforehand. But in that song, he also says skyscrapers are scraping together. I, I've never found an interview with him saying what it was about. Cause I need to know what he was writing about instead. Yeah. I never know with Jeff Tweedy, like, are his lyrics gibberish or do they, or does he have some sort of like, especially in like the first song, like um, I'm trying to break your heart. Oh, oh uh, you know, like what does it mean to assassin down the yes, Avenue? Yes. You know? I want to read everybody the lyrics of that song, even though I know them by heart. What does it mean that you don't believe in touchdowns? <laughs> you know, he says, um, I'm sure that like genius.com has, or the liner notes have like great explanations. I am an American aquarium drinker. I assassin down the Avenue. I'm hiding out in the big city blinking. What was I thinking when I let go of you? It's kind of like Benny and the Jets. We're like, this all sounds good, but I don't really know what it means, but it's very vivid. Yeah. It kind of, it reminds me like him, like having these songs that sound so close to an event that means a lot to a lot of people. It kind of reminds me of like, did you read Harry Potter? Yeah. Like Professor Trelawney, the one who claims to have the gift for foresight, but really doesn't. But then all of a sudden she has a vision and she predicts something correctly where it's like, maybe Jeff Tweedy usually didn't make sense. But all of a sudden he knew exactly what he was talking about. Yeah, like a broken clock strikes right twice a day or whatever. Yeah. And all all of a sudden he had it exactly right. Uh, Okay, so the next song. I mean, I do think that people like interpret meaning into nothingness, but, you know, not that there isn't you know, meaning behind his art. It's a beautiful album um, outside of the current events uh, of the time. Um, But people find meaning in things um, and everyone finds meaning in something in the same thing differently. But it's just eerie that all of this just lines up very well. Uh, Ashes of American Flags, a song after Jesus, etc. He says, I would like to salute the ashes of American flags and all the fallen leaves filling up shopping bags. Yeah, very 2003, it feels like, you know, very even post invasion of Iraq, like, you know, losing the kind of war at home. Um, 
you know, I just see that as like kind of pointing out the ironies of, of like patron patriot uh, patriotism and and yeah. When you hear this album now, what time in your life does it take take you back to? I don't know that it does. I mean, what about you? Do you have a specific? I got into it time? freshman year of college, so I know like. Oh my god! I know I was a late a really bad breakup. <laughs> no, man. yeah, I am <laughs> trying to break your heart. I was like, "Where are you?" Because you assassined me. <laughs> we can do another episode that's just about like our freshman year breakup albums, albums of our freshman year. <laughs> I was very into the nineteen seventy five album that year oh, and really? the Church's record, and uh, there's I'm sure there's some other should things. Should we? Oh my gosh! Should we do a breakup album episode? we can do that do rumors uh bony bear yeah yeah do bony bear emma for what it's worth yeah uh forever ago yeah um since we can't put it well i'm gonna read you a quote this is from john hendricks of the denver post he says the unabashed highlight the orchestral roadhouse waltz of jesus etc can send chills down your spine with its chorus tall building shake voices escape singing sad sad songs and while much of the record was put to tape before that morning in September, its release some seven months later felt inexplicably connected to what it meant to be a young American in April 2002. So it's not just us saying this. A lot of people feel this way. And uh, that's why I wanted to talk about it. I didn't want this episode to be too long. I just felt that this was something that we could contribute to the conversation people are having today to think about 20 years since 9-11 and that this album played a part in that for a lot of people and i wanted to recognize it uh because i didn't even know about it it just i was just googling the song to figure out what it meant and all that came up was 9-11 and i just like blew my mind when i saw that yeah there's a there's a quote i was re-watching this documentary and, and um there's a quote that at the very end i think the, one of the final quotes is about how um um, I think either one of the, the record producers or one of the um, or a journalist was saying like um, that Wilco was so ahead of their time and they think that in 20 years they'll be getting all the due that they deserve for this. And I was like, that's a really nice sentiments. And then I realized like it's been 20 years and like that's what he's talking about. And that's like we're, we're talking about on this podcast. And um, it still is like such a landmark record. And it's such a landmark moment in like indie music and um culturally you know for this for so many people um because of its ties to 9-11 and when it was released i thought that was nice and you're like whoa it has been 20 years i I never like i don't even know like what to do with that number no it's not useful Uh, yeah i don't want to think about it but i guess the album's been now for 20 years um it seems very it doesn't seem like it has aged that much but no uh, until you like because for this podcast i was really analyzing the lyrics of every song and like he's like talking about like uh an ash of american flags hold on let me read this he says Cash machine is blue and green for 120s and a small service fee. I could spend $3.63 on Diet Coca-Cola and unlit cigarettes. 
Cigarettes would be about eight dollars, and a Coca Cola would be like two dollars, two fifty. Okay, so it's aged a little bit. There's the post dot com bubble burst for you. Inflation. Yeah, that's the next podcast episode. It's just about inflation. You think we want to talk about Amy Winehouse and inflation <laughs> and boy bands? And well, it just seems like you know a lot about boy bands more than I know about inflation. You predicted the dot-com bubble when you were five years old in 2000. That's that's why I'm a business reporter now. That's true. Uh, Scott, before we go, is there anything you want to plug that you want our listeners to check out? In my life or in Wilco's? Uh, Wilco's on tour right now with Sleater Kenny. I saw them two, three weeks ago if you guys <laughs> want to see them. But no, Scott, I have you. If you ever... Yeah, if you ever have the opportunity to see Wilco, you should. I saw them once at the Beacon Theater in New York, and it was awesome did did um, they play california yeah. stars they did they did play california stars um and that was cool Every, everything was cool it was like um this is one of those bands where their library is so extensive that um if you have like some familiar f- familiarity with the band like you know uh everything they will actually play at, at the at the concert is just like a hit you know or like a couple obligatory new songs or whatever, but still, like even their some of their new stuff is so good. Did they play? Um, Jesus, what do I have? Yeah, of course. Oh my god! And Nels, their guitarist, just shreds. He's so fun to see live. Yeah, um, was not part of the band at the time, but like when this album was out, but he's incredible to see live. And Glenn, the drummer, is is wild. I'm sorry, I interrupted. Great you. band to see. Let's live. let this man plug his stuff. Scott, tell people how to support you. Uh, you don't have to support me. Support to great you. Music. No, support him. Scott, uh, where do they go? I am a reporter at I'm a reporter at Quartz Q U A R T Z. Uh, you can read my uh, writing. I write about the internet and social media and weird business stories um, online. Uh, in Quartz is at qz.com, and you can find me on Twitter at Scott Nover. I saw a tweet from you today that you were writing about pornography. I was, yeah. I was writing about the debacle with OnlyFans, uh, which is a porn platform, kind of like the Substack or Patreon for uh, people in the adult industry. And uh, they had some news last week. Are you going to do some undercover work to get the right research <laughs> ethnographically? I just told my editor not to look at my web browser history <laughs> and forgive me. We were talking OnlyFans on the TV show that I host. And I had to like, you know, learn about it. So I was just Googling OnlyFans at work. And like, I felt weird about it that like the corporate overlords would like call me and be like, hey, were you Googling uh, the website where people take their clothes off for money? I'm just really glad that I don't work in an office. I work from home from the safety of my home where no one can see my screen. Um, Because when you're Googling things like that, you just don't need a coworker over your shoulder being like, why is Scott looking at that? And I promise it's for work, but they don't know. <laughs> yes, one of the many perks about our post-pandemic and current pandemic lifestyle is that now we can Google stuff for research only at work with no one over your shoulders. Everybody, uh, if you want to support Scott and his work with OnlyFans, Quartz is the name of the website, and Scott Nover is, is his Twitter, and he's very beloved on Twitter by a few people including danny new that's right um scott thanks scott thanks for coming on here today i appreciate it thanks for having me danny we'll do it again sometime 
we have some podcasts planned. Yes, up next in sync slash Amy Winehouse slash the dot com bubble slash OnlyFans. It's got numbers. And inflation. And inflation. <laughs>